This week's episode is made possible by Afterlater Audio's Heritage Line, Patchwork Seattle, and listeners like you. If you'd like to help keep these episodes coming each week, please visit patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. I want to take a second to tell you about Eschatonic Modular. Are you building your own DIY case uh, for shows or for traveling and need some power? Well, then look no further than Eschatonic Modular. I have it in my Needham Woodworks case, and it's quiet and clean. So please visit eschatonicmodular.com to learn more. I also want to tell you about Eurodesk Z, which is a company that creates products that solve real issues and help you stay focused on the creative process. I personally use the Hex 01 professional Eurorack cable hanger, um, created with advanced modular synth users in mind. It is, before I had it, it was just, there was spaghetti wires everywhere. It was like an explosion of wires and it was never, um, it was just, it was always chaotic when I was trying to patch and clean up and, and everything but this is just makes everything so much easier and cleaner and it looks cool it sits right on top of a mic stand it's a real thing of beauty they also have a new product called desk stars with a z so you are you know I'm already on board you pluralize things with a z and I'm in um, this is a height adjustable equipment stand designed to support most desktop music devices small to mid-sized euro rack cases groove boxes drum machines you name it um, so yeah, please go visit Eurodesk-Z.com to learn more about these amazing products. And as always, thank you, Lisa Belladonna, for this amazing track. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This is episode 102. We got Andrew Huang on the show, and uh, I'm really excited about that. And I'll tell you, as somebody who was trying to start a podcast about two years ago about modular synthesis, there were a few people that I kind of looked to as, uh, you know, people who blazed the trail that I kind of wanted to, to traverse. Do you traverse trails? Um, you know, your Mylars, your, your Div Kids, and, and Andrew is definitely one of them. So it was, it was really cool to finally get a chance to talk to him about that. Um, so yes, thank you, Andrew, for coming on the show. We're going to get to our chat with Andrew here in a moment. But first, can we talk about how weird life is right now? I want to talk about how not weird it feels. Even though life is weirder than it's ever been, possibly. Worldwide. How normal it already feels. And it's got me thinking about the human ability to adapt. You can just, you know, like the other day, for example, I wanted to see what it was like to go to some of these uh, neighborhoods around Seattle that are usually hustling and bustling with all these people. Hannah and I wanted to go for a drive, so we're like, let's go. Let's go to Capitol Hill. And we went through Fremont, and we went through Wallingford and the University District, and we even went through downtown, and all the businesses are boarded up, and there's no one around, you know, maybe one or two people walking around. And maybe because it was a bright sunny day, that, that could have had something to do with it, but the weirdest part about the whole thing was how weird it didn't feel to me. And I, I told Hannah, I said, if you were to go back six months and tell me that we were going to be doing what we're doing right now, driving through this landscape 
and, and what the situation is, I would have been freaked out. Um, and then it makes me wonder, you know, I've talked about my, my depression pretty openly here and my anxiety and part of my whole deal, probably since, I don't know, uh, my full realization of my mortality in my late teens, the, the apocalypse, something that I've, I, I, you know, I, I'm preparing in my head, you know, before all this happened, you know, some nights I would just lay in bed and be like, okay, well, if this happened, then, you know, maybe, you know, Hannah and I would meet up here and then we'd try to go here and like, I'm just going over all these scenarios and then I'd find myself spitting out and being like, why are you planning for, you know, the apocalypse right now? Something that has always just really freaked me out. Um, and right now, I'm not saying we're going through the apocalypse, but I would say that if you were going to write an apocalyptic movie, we, we could call this like a soft apocalypse. Um, and I kind of wonder if or how much my past worry is actually serving me right now. <laughs> Maybe I've thought about it so much that... Uh, I've actually mentally prepared myself for it, and maybe that's one of the reasons I'm not super freaked out right now. I'm guessing that's not the case. I'm guessing the reason I'm not super freaked out is is going back to that uh, that human ability I was talking about to just adapt. Um, but yeah, how are you adapting? You may. I'm not saying that everything's fine. I'm just saying like the weirdness of it. Um, I don't know. Something I've always questioned too is you know not to get too heady, you know, like the nature of reality. But this this whole thing has kind of like put a new magnifying glass on it that's a little bit more mundane. Like what's, you know, and, and, and I've, I've talked about this a few times, but like feeling guilty about, actually not, I'm not, I feel like I should be feeling guilty about not working on my magnum opus right now. Because to be honest, other than these podcasts, I'm not doing a lot. Um, as far as creativity, you know, and modular stuff. I thought I would be taking advantage of live streaming way more. I'm just like, and I don't have, uh, it's not, it's not like a lack of motivation, like a laziness or a depressive lack of motivation. It's, it's kind of like, a, well, what am I doing that for? Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but on the flip side of that, I, I am, I'm, I'm very happy to have the podcast and I'm so happy that you're listening to it because even though I'm not working super hard on anything outside of the podcast, I still have the podcast to work on. And that's giving me a sense of purpose. It's also fulfilling uh, my social need. I mean, I have Hannah here, but you know, you need, you need variation in your social experiences. So I've had some really awesome conversations with people. So it's keeping me connected in that way. Um, and then, yeah, just giving me something to focus on outside of myself and outside of being able to spin out. So I guess what I'm trying to say with all that is thank you so much for listening and giving me something to, uh, to use as almost like a, uh, a life raft through this weird time. Um, and I really sincerely hope that everybody out there is doing as well as you can, given your circumstances. Um, if you're not, don't hesitate to reach out to me um, through email or whatever. Uh, this is we, we need to be there for each other. Reach out to your friends. I've spent a lot of time on the phone, which I hate talking on the phone, um, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, so... Yeah, there's 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 ways we can let, we can get through this. I don't know. I'm, I kind of lost the thread of what I was talking about. But 
on the 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 um, topic of streaming and all that, I want to give some shout outs right now because even though I haven't been doing that kind of stuff, I've been taking advantage of other people doing it and it's been really, really awesome. So uh, first up, let me just say to my my hometown crew, Modular Seattle, they've been doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, Bradley and Josh and Justin, um, just just really taking advantage of uh, what they can do with live streaming because they, they kind of already built this great infrastructure to do so uh, before this happened so it's it's been really cool to see how busy they are keeping also uh, Monster Planet we've talked about Monster Planet quite a few times on the show and we've had them on the show today Monday 420 is the 10 year anniversary of Monster Planet's existence it's been such a huge um, force in the Seattle scene it's been absolutely like if it wasn't for Monster Planet I wouldn't know half the people that I know in the Seattle scene in fact that is where I met old co-host Ian so please go check out um, it came from Monster Planet they're on YouTube they're gonna be doing they do live streams every week but they're doing their 10-year anniversary tonight I also want to give a shout out to the SoCal Synth Society. Uh, they had like this almost like online live streaming modular fest this last weekend, which was really, really cool. They had all these different um, societies from all, all over the U.S. talking, including uh, Modular Seattle. Um, and they had like New York uh, Modular uh, Synth Society on there. Um, you know, just some other people. I kind of joined late, so I didn't see who was all on there. John O'Wells was on there. We've had him on the show. He does San Diego Modular on the Spot and the Dot Wave podcast. Um, Corey Banks was up there. So, yeah, just like uh, Travarsi, who runs the SoCal Synth Society um, with Abe Mora. Um, I think they have another partner up, up uh, pardon me, I, I, I forgot all the details because I kind of joined late. Anyways, we're going we're gonna to be talking to some of these modular synth societies very soon on the show because I, watching their, they kind of had this like little meeting on Zoom and they, they, they were live, live streaming it and it was, just, it was just so cool to see. I got that warm, fuzzy feeling that I get um, when uh, I see the synth community coming together in, in interesting ways. Also, uh, Joe, Nick, and Bill from the North Coast Modular Collective were all there and I could easily spot them because of their awesome bright yellow shirts. Um, it was cool to see them be a part of it. And uh, just for the record, this is not a lie. I am currently wearing my yellow North Coast Modular Collective shirt as I record this. Um, also, Ben Divkid Wilson has been doing some really interesting live streams with the guests. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you to all of those people keeping this stuff going because it's just, it's so instrumental because we got it like when we when we come out on the other end of this we want us we want our scenes our scenes to be intact and the things that these modular synth societies are doing right now are actually going to make them stronger i think when we all are able to get back together so again just go check that stuff out i'm super excited about it um colin benders apparently has been doing amazing live streams on discord um Waveform Magazine is, is co doing a cool uh, contest right now, and they're changing some stuff up. So that's another awesome outlet for us to have in this weird time. So check out Waveform. Um, I also want to shout out uh, my fellow modular or synth or audio file type podcasts. Of course, we have The Source of Uncertainty with Kyle and Robert. We have Esoteric Modulation, Dot Wave, Why We Bleep, 
data cult audio, north beats, hanging out with audiophiles, form the head, and a new one that I'm pretty excited about. I haven't listened to it, but it looks like pretty, a pretty intriguing one. It's called the Rat's Nest Podcast, and it's a podcast centered around patching on Eurorack modular synthesizers, and that's by Ryan Dunn. And I believe he's got three uh, episodes out, and I think it's basically he's uh, patching different types of stuff up in different uh, situations, and um, it's kind of just like uh, hanging out with somebody while they patch their system. So if that sounds like fun to you, uh, I know it's on Spotify. It's probably so go check that out. And we're going to get into this episode shortly, but I just want to share a few stories from my life lately and tell you about one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my modular career. Now, I recently got the Metron Volterra uh, sequencer combination. Now, I want to just make it clear that that sequencer is has been a revelation for me to say the least it is um i feel like because of it i'm going to be able to do much better work i I absolutely love this sequencer but it was on this sequencer that i it was all human error had nothing to do with metron it was all human error but as a little sidebar i got to tell you i haven't been drinking that much this year i've cut down on drinking i've never in my adult life been that big of a fan of smoking pot um kind of gives me anxiety but for some reason last week I decided I wanted to have a few beers and after having a few beers I decided hey I'll smoke some of this pot that we have lying around um and it was actually pretty enjoyable but and I (laughs) here's well I kind of screwed up because I was like oh I want to I want to patch this will be fun I mean I've never really patched like this before so let's see what that's like so I wanted to work on this thing that I'd been working on for a few weeks it was what I was kind of looking at as my most complex and interesting and fleshed out patches that I'd ever made in my existence as a modular synthesis. Uh, and somehow, uh, I loaded up a completely blank page, you know? Um, and I think I was like, oh, I need to load. I don't know. I honestly don't know how I did it, but I did something where I, I saved a blank, a blank pattern over my my whole file my whole page of of multiple sequences this very complex thing of different melodic and gate sequences that i've been working on for weeks i I just somehow just in one push of a button it's gone it's all gone now some of you may be thinking well tim for the last two years you've been talking about how patching is almost like a good buddhist exercise um, it's a good reminder of the impermanence. It's, you know, you, you like to say how much it reminds you of Tibetan mandalas where you make these intricate sand paintings and then wipe them away for no one to ever see. And I've, I've had a good time talking about that because I like that in concept. So I really, it was weird. My desire to believe in that concept was put to the test. And uh, I kind of like that. I decided, you know what? Yeah, you're a little crestfallen, but you know what? It, it's gone, and them's the breaks. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to report that that way of thinking about it possibly just served me very well. <laughs> um, not to say that this won't happen again in the future, and I won't be bummed out, but um, yeah, there will be more patches, and then someday there will be no more patches, and no patch is eternal. 
<laughs> Alright, that's enough of that hooey shit. Alright, the second story I want to share with you is uh, we got our stimulus checks. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where um, I'm, I'm, I'm scraping by myself uh, economically. Hannah's job is pretty stable right now, so... Um, even though it's very helpful to us and our, our future is uncertain, I like to live in the present. <laughs> Maybe this is why I've never had a lot of money. But um, something that's always been very important to Hannah and I is uh, simulating our local economy and small businesses. So I took a small portion of that. Um, I, I wish I could have spent it all in this way, but I took a small portion of that. And I uh, went to Patchworks online and I got... I got a portal from Mystic Circuits, which kind of completes my whole distortion section of my um, my Eurorack case, along with the four-band distortion from DPW, the Pura Ruina from Noise Engineering, the 100 Grit from Schlappy Engineering, and of course the new Bad Comrade from Recovery Effects. So like, having portal to add to that has just been like, oh my god, it's 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 one of the craziest sounding modules i've ever heard in fact eli if you're listening it would be an insane guitar pedal um and then i got the dreadbox nostalgia three stage delay really blown away with the quality of construction and sound on that for how affordable that it's a hundred dollars for for their um their new like really colorful uh modules so this is this is not a, a, a an ad for them i'm just you know just saying this is what i got and i really dig it um i also i ordered some nerlies finally from the 4ms website uh, if you live on the west coast i think the 4ms website's the best place to get them right now they're kind of sold out in other places um so yeah i'm pretty excited about that so yeah i felt good to uh to go and stimulate the local economy and if you would like to do that um head over to patchworks.com p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r ks.com and my final story i will share with you is i bought final fantasy 7 the original for the nintendo switch because i wanted to try to get hannah into it because it's one of my favorite it is my favorite video game of all time the music has been extremely influential on me as a kid and still to now i love it um and plus i wanted to play it in uh to prepare for the release of the the remake that has just come out, which I'm almost done with, which I really enjoy, but that's not what the story is. Um, But Hannah's never been a gamer. She played, like, Nintendo as a kid, but she's never been a big gamer. But she, like, I I was just like, please, like, give Final Fantasy VII a shot, and she's, like, into it. And we also got Mario Odyssey, and she's super into that. So, like, to look over at the couch and see my wife playing video games and ignoring me when I ask her questions because she's so, so enthralled and in that world of the video game just warms my little heart anyways that's been our intro it was a long one but i felt like i had a lot to say today and uh yes and and just again thank you so much for listening to this a lot of people aren't listening now because they're not going to work and that's when they listen to the show so if you're still listening um thank you you're giving me a sense of purpose right now and uh if you want to chat with me I'm being way more um, active on the Discord server. Uh, So there's a link on my Instagram in the link tree. So if you want to chat there, please head over and join up and uh, let's get to talking. Speaking of let's get to talking, let's get to talking to Andrew Huang. We won't won't stick on that too long because, you know, 
that that will definitely date this episode and people, you know, listening yeah. to it in the future will be like, I'm so tired of hearing about this. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's such a crazy thing that I, I, I mean, I'm just curious, like how have you been more pro- productive um, in your studio or anything? Like how, how has this affected you creatively, creatively and uh, professionally? You know, uh, I feel like it's been about the same, all things considered. Weirdly, yeah. I've had way more productive days just by virtue, I guess, of fewer distractions. But then at the same time, you know, just being like mentally bogged down by the craziness of it all yeah. and uh, the news you see from elsewhere, that also takes its toll and, you know, end up being um, less productive some days. But in general, you know, as far as just like what the day to day looks like for me, it hasn't thankfully affected me too much. Cause you know, I, I work from home to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had to cancel a bit of travel, but, uh, you know, I'm not a touring musician. I don't rely on live for, uh, income. So, um, yeah, like at the end of the day, it's, uh, not a bad situation personally for me. Yeah. It's really strange. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, um, my my main gig is I teach at a trade school at night. So during the day is when I'm working on, you know, demos and the podcast and everything. So oh, I'm cool. kind of like a half work from home. So yeah, my day to day hasn't like changed too much, but then it's crazy seeing, you know, pictures from downtown with all the businesses boarded up and hearing my friends at Patchworks and they're boarding up their windows. And it's just like, so it's like, I know the crazy weird post-apocalyptic stuff is going down in other places, but for me, it sounds like similar to you. It's kind of business as usual day to day, other than the, the noise coming in from the media and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're teaching remotely? No, my classes were canceled, so I'm 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 kind of oh, okay. out of work right now. Um, oh, damn. But but I have been teaching, um, doing modular lessons via Skype. So that's been oh, that's great. Yeah, that's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I'm fine. I'm finding ways to try to keep myself busy and try to make a little extra money on the side. My wife is still getting paid from her job. She works for the city. They're having her stay home right now, but. Um, uh-huh. so we're like on a half household income. So, you know, all things considered it's, it's where I can't really complain. Cause I know there are a lot of people, like you just mentioned touring musicians, like, ah, I just, I feel so much for them and people in the restaurant industry. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm just like, I can't help but think about it every day. It's like, what, what is, what is the future of live entertainment going to be, you know, after this? Yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's in like a, a decently successful band um that so they're doing fine because i guess they still do uh, good on on online sales Mm -hmm. he was saying but he he said something that just really made it click for me he's like concerts are going to be the last thing to come back because our job as musicians is to pack as many people as possible into a small space Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um yeah it just seems like you know at what point are we going to be comfortable with that again? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Even and, when they say yeah, it's just, safe. It's yeah. heartbreaking for all the musicians who, who rely primarily on touring. Yeah. And I, it, you know, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and they're talking about, you know, like 
their whole thing is, you know, their band practice is basically going and doing sets, you know, like not, not their touring stuff, but they, you know, they they practice doing multiple sets a week and everything. And they're not going to get to do that for months because you can't really practice something like stand up at home. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to really affect them. It's, it's going to be really strange to see what happens. Um, but I kind of feel like we could segue into what you do as we're lucky to have people like you you know, creating awesome content in so many different ways to keep us kind of keep our, uh, uh, ourselves sane a little bit while we're, we're at home and looking for stuff to watch and, you know, so, so I mean, it's a weird spot right now, honestly, cause, (laughs) uh, it feels like, I mean, to, to do what I usually do, uh, it just feels a little bit Odd. I don't know, but it also feels like the thing that that should be done. You know, it's, I'm it's, in the same you know, boat, man. As I'm... serious as the thing is, you can't let it stop all of life from happening. And then, yeah, the the primary thing that I'm hearing from uh, the people who watch my stuff is just like, we would love for it to keep going as usual. Yeah, and you know, we just want to be able to have whatever we can that is from our regular life. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Also, the the whole like live streaming thing that's just taking off so much more, as well as I guess you know that's becoming a part of uh, what we're culturally into now. Yeah, yeah. Have you been t- taking advantage of that much? I haven't yet. Um, I'm not like super set up for it. I've done it a few times before, just you know randomly. I've tried it on Twitch, on Instagram, on YouTube. Uh, I'd like to do it more, but somehow I never find the the time. I think I'm I'm taking it too seriously. I think I need to just be more casual about it and kind of, you know, turn the camera on and just see what happens and and not yeah. feel like I need to figure out a format or you know have a big plan or anything. It's pretty. You know, I've been doing it a lot lately. It's pretty fun. I just kind of set up my camera, pointed at my my modular rig, and then I just have people give me, you know, words to do a patch challenge. And I st- set an alarm for five minutes and I tell them what I'm doing and we just kind of hang out oh, and fun. chat and do stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's been a really cool way to interact with people. And funny enough though, like I would have, I would have thought I would have started doing it more given the certain, you know, given the circumstances, but I, I haven't been doing it as often. And I think, I think I'm having a hard time you know, uh, I'm trying to stay the course and keep things normal, but it's, it doesn't feel, it doesn't quite feel the same. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I'm going to try to work on a little bit more, but, um, yeah, I I don't know where I'm going with that. I kind of just lost my train of thought, but (laughs) no, I mean, it's cool that, uh, it's cool you're exploring that because it seems like it's just going to be part of our lives now, like even more so than it used to be. I I wasn't too much of a stream watcher before, but it's just sort of, um, it, it permeates everything now. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. live all the time, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, going back to the whole thing, like, um, I think not, not to like, uh, make what, what, what you and I do kind of, we're in this, a similar vein, um, you know, not, not to be too precious about it, but I think it is important for us people who do stuff from home to keep doing it, to try to keep up any semblance of normalcy out there. Cause I think a lot of people are looking for stuff like that. So that, that's what I keep telling myself. Cause I have been feeling a little strange about it. Like, tr- like working on product demos or something like that. It's kind of like, am I trying to, you know, sell something right now? Is that ethical? You know, it's, it's kind of a weird, weird situation. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And then at the same time, like I've like the stuff that I'm craving right now is also 
you know, when I'm on the flip side of that coin, I feel exactly what I'm hearing from my viewers, which yeah. is like, oh, I, I want to watch, maybe even more so, I want to be watching the stuff that I always used to that, you know, was fun or comforting or distracting or right. educational, uh, you know, whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Well, so let's, I'm... Let's 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 move on. Let's not make this all about COVID nineteen. Um, I want to hear your story because you're kind of a you're you're a really good um, example of of just kind of like the modern res- Renaissance man. You know, like the 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 ultimate DIY do it yourself. Like you built yeah. you built your whole thing, which is multifaceted. So I'm kind of curious where where did that start for you? Like where did music grab you as a kid? You know, what what was the kind of music? Was it a particular song? And you know, how did you? When did you know that that was the the route your life was going to follow? Uh, it was uh, probably my teens that it really became serious. But I had grown up with a lot of music in my life because my uh, my grandmother was a music teacher. My mother was a pretty good pianist and singer. Um, So, you know, I grew up learning piano and eventually uh, guitar and uh, a little bit of electric bass as well. And that was more in my teens where, you know, suddenly my friends were starting to introduce me to like current music rather (laughs) than, you know, at home we listened to either classical or just the pop of my parents' youth, which was like, you know, not bad stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it was like Beatles and Queen and, and ABBA. I don't know. Like Elton John, really, you know, big, iconic, well-written, uh, classic stuff. But uh, it just didn't have any of the excitement that, you know, it, it, a kid listening to Nirvana in the 90s had, right? right. So yeah. at a certain point, <laughs> I got introduced to, like, the cool music. And that's when it felt like there was a real pull uh, to explore it myself more and... um from that point on, it felt like every new genre that I discovered, I, I just like pulled into my, my orbit because, um, it it was all just so fascinating to me. So it didn't matter if it was like bossa nova or, uh, like weird electronic stuff. Like I just became really enamored by all of it. So, uh, I was, I was just trying to create stuff on my own with whatever I had, uh, you know, a old PC and, um, stuff at my school and uh, one thing kind of led to another, and I just like got decent at home recording. Um, and I started making these eBay auctions where uh, if you won the auction, I would make a piece of music for you. That was kind of my start. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I, you know, it was just a weird like click that I had in my brain one day where I was like, you know, I'm really enjoying recording stuff at home, trying to write stuff. Uh, it's coming up to summertime. I'm a student, need to figure out a job, but I'm also like spending so much time on eBay looking for a cheap used guitar pedal or whatever. (laughs) And then it kind of all coalesced into this, uh, idea of like, well, what if I am the auction, (laughs) my skills are the auction. And so that was actually, that worked out for a while. And eventually I, uh, my roommate at the time helped me put together a website where I could just like post my work and take commissions through that rather than having to set up an eBay auction every time. Uh, a few years after that, I got interested in video as well. So I started experimenting with YouTube and, you know, posting not that regularly, but eventually kind of finding that it was uh, 
just a more compelling place for me to be and for, for me to exercise my creativity and kept on going with it and just grew, you know, fairly gradually for a long, long time. I've been on the platform over 10 years now. Wow. Now going back to the, the eBay auction stuff, when you, when you made your website and commissioning stuff, were you making music for like people to, to like use for their own artistic things to sing over or, or like rap over, or were they like just pieces of music for people to have personally to listen to? Yeah. The very first one I remember was, uh, I believe it was a Canadian woman mm-hmm. um, who uh, wanted to sing like a Nine Inch Nails style song, <laughs> but uh, you know it was someone who didn't have too much uh, musical experience themselves. But they're just like love Nine Inch Nails. It would be so cool if I was singing on that type of a track. So they gave me zero direction other than make a nine inch nailsy instrumental. So I <laughs> tried my best. I sent it over to them. They loved it and, you know, recorded their own thing and just not even, you know, because it was part of the deal, but they just out of interest, I guess, sent it back to me. So I heard their kind of like cheap <laughs> microphone recording of, uh, of whatever they'd written to my instrumental. So that was the first one, but actually what it ended up becoming was a lot of, um, personal sort of personal occasion songs, I guess. Like someone would oh. want a song to walk down the aisle to their wedding or to give to their friend for their birthday. Or uh, I did a few songs for people's pets because they just wanted their cat to have a theme song. <laughs> it was super weird. Yeah, that's that's really weird. <laughs> oh. um, but then eventually, you know, that was probably, I don't know, three or four years that I did that and then sort of started... Um, having enough of a network that I was getting hit up for commercial projects as well. So then it started becoming like a uh, radio spot or um, TV commercial, like a uh, jingle for a podcast, actually. Uh, okay. Early, early days of podcasting that was happening. So yeah, it slowly became my uh, sort of main job. And then I uh, kind of, I had built an audience just from doing, these songs, I, I would do free ones now and then. That's something I forgot to mention. If uh-huh. you just sent me an idea and I thought it would be a weird or funny song to just exist in the world, I, I might make it. Okay. And then um, post that. And because those were just like short, entertaining little, you know, internet things, they would get shared around a lot. And that's how I first started building an audience online. Wow. That's really, that's a really unique, uh, beginning. Now I feel like maybe your, uh, your upbringing with, with the classical environment and then your thirst for finding all sorts of new, uh, genres kind of, you were, you were very well equipped for this, this job of people saying, Hey, I want something in the style of this. And, you know, you already had maybe a, a quite a bit of a sonic palette to choose from in your skill set. but how much did that further develop because of this? It definitely, uh, stretch my skills. Uh, I was doing about 15 songs per month at the height of it. And, uh, you know, I was also trying to make this my full-time thing. So I would just say yes to everybody yeah. who approached <laughs> me, uh, regardless of whether I, or not I'd created something like what they had before. And I would just figure it out. So I would, the, I think the best one was a, a big band jazz sort of, you know, swing jazz kind of thing. That I managed to pull off, and it was just, uh, you know, I played the drums, I played the upright bass, and then I hired a trumpet player. I, I knew very few jazz musicians, but I knew this one trumpet player, 
and I wrote this thing out for her. She played all the parts great. And then we also like pitched her stuff around so that it could sound like a trombone and sound like, you know, <laughs> the whole range of horns. And I made this pretty believable big band jazz piece um, for this person who commissioned me. And, and it really, you know, I have to credit my early um, like piano teacher music theory background that let me just kind of figure those things out as they came up and deliver something, you know, a couple weeks later. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really useful, like I, that's something I don't have is like a, an actual traditional training. You know, I, I just grew up playing guitar and just kind of just ham fisting bar chords, you know, <laughs> throughout my teens. <laughs> um, and one of the things that I've wanted to do is get into, you know, some sort of sync licensing placement type thing for, you know, some, like as a, as to help supplement income. But I, I don't have that skill set. If somebody said make a big, big band jazz song, um, yeah, I, I would be out of luck. It would take me a really long time to get close. So, <laughs> um, it's it's a really interesting um, like place to be as far as you know musically and mentally. What it's like to to analyze music that way and to understand mm -hmm. it on that level. It it takes all this kind of rote, you know, laborious kind of exercise, mm -hmm. but then you kind of. You, you reach these stages where all of a sudden you have, um, it's like a superpower. It's really <laughs> wild, you know, to, 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 to have a piece of music come on and kind of immediately understand most of what's going into it and, and potentially be able to recreate it. It's like, it's super wild. So anyway, I, I'm a huge, uh, music theory advocate. Um, you know, I try to convince everybody to, to get into it as much as they can. <laughs> That's something I've been thinking about with this kind of this self-isolation time is is maybe trying to to actually learn how to play the piano other than just like slamming out triad chords on it, you know. Um I've yet oh, yeah. to do it, but it is it is something that I have written down on my list of things I would like to do. So <laughs> but maybe hopefully this this conversation will inspire me to take it more seriously. Um Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best thing, I mean, you probably know this already, but if you have a person who can teach you some some guidance is always great, and then I think the main thing is just like trying to commit to any amount of regular time with it, right? Uh, yeah. Which was like so I didn't realize it at the time, of course, being a kid. But like when you're sitting down for you know an hour a week and just like writing notes out, and then you know trying to like do your homework as well with that, um, having all that regular exposure to just these concepts of notes and timing and intervals and how all these things relate to each other. It's like cements it in a way that nothing else can. Definitely. And this is kind of related, but something that one of the more surprising things that has come out of me getting into modular is me actually understanding music theory and, and time signature stuff. I'm, I'm, this, oh, that kind yeah. of stuff is actually starting to click more mentally. And I didn't think that was going to happen through the use of modular, but I think it's just because of like the quantization you have to do and, and just all the different, you know, time division modules that are out there. It's definitely helped me wrap my head around it. Yeah, no modular is so cool for that. Cause it really opens things up to like their fundamental level. Cause mm -hmm. you know, you have to basically build each sound from scratch, you know, I mean, depending on, on what kind of modules you're into, but, um, yeah, it for sure is an educational experience. And I think there's, there's kind of a, a parallel too, with how you learn a module, you know, some modules are a little deeper, a little more complicated. And if you 
kind of get something because you think it's cool and you play with it for a bit, but then leave it for a period of time, you kind of come back to it and need to relearn it. Whereas, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, really getting familiar with something the same way you do any kind of, uh, you know, hands-on applied learning, um, you know, just, just using it a lot is, is how you get good at it. Definitely. Um, so I don't want to get quite, well, I guess, how did, how did you find modular then? If, if we, if we started talking about it, let's, let's, how did, how did you go from yeah. doing the eBay auction songs to getting into modular? It sort of, uh, happened by accident because I was listening to more, um, like I guess rock based music at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was, I, I mean, I've always listened to everything, but I, th- I think the, the phase at that point was this sort of like indie guitar driven music. And, uh, there's this band called the May she and, um, Ezra Bukla p- plays or played, I, I don't know if they're still together, uh, played in that band. And so I was just, you know, doing my weird internet rabbit hole surfing <laughs> and, um, discovered Don Bukla through that and then, you know, pictures of all his ridiculous creations. And that sort of, I think that was probably my first exposure to modular synths. But then at the same time, I was, uh, this was, this was early 2000s. So I was going to the library to get CDs out (laughs) of, I, I was just on a kick of trying to find the weirdest music I could and so, uh, you know, I found Morton Zabotnik, mm-hmm. Silver Apples of the Moon. And I didn't actually realize until years later that that stuff was created with some of those early Buchla systems. But um, the, the sort of seed of that interest was kind of planted there. Uh, but it was like years and years later of kind of learning about traditional synthesizers and then getting into Reactor and figuring out how to build stuff within that, that really sparked, uh, you know, the deeper kind of passion that I have for synthesis on that level. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, yeah, basically I didn't get into hardware until maybe three years ago when it kind of was, a you know, the availability and prices of things had been going down while my interest in it and income had been going up. So it was, it was the perfect time then. Nice. Okay, so you were already well-established um, on YouTube doing just uh, music production stuff and, and, and synthesizer stuff before you're getting into modular. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think it was probably... It was probably a similar time, actually, to when I started really going into modular that my channel was growing the most, uh, maybe slightly before... Uh, my, I think it was 2016. My channel kind of like exploded uh, at, at the the fastest rate. But um, yeah, it was it was around the same time that I was uh, really starting to dive into hardware synth. Okay, because yeah, I mean, I, I I hate the question of like what what's your favorite, but I I'm just was kind of curious because you kind of seem like like you you cover the whole uh, spectrum of kind of just music and recording gear. And I feel like that makes your audience that much broader. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of wondering if you had a specific, like a, a, a pull to any particular type of gear and if modular, where does modular far, fall in that hierarchy? Right. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I think, you know, I have been super broad in the way that I've approached my channel, which has been cool, you know, just to see how many different types of people are, um, interested in my content. And, uh, at the end of the day, I'm 
really interested in the creative process and I'm really interested in the tools that I feel like uh, are either fun or that will get me results uh, and hopefully both. And Mm -hmm. like by results, I mean, you know, being able to create something that I am happy with, that I enjoy and that I want to share. Maybe, you know, something that you might call a, a finished piece of music, even though I think, I don't know, that Maybe we can get into this, but I feel like that's falling apart a little bit in this day and age of like Instagramming stuff and, you know, just live stream jams, all that. But um, yeah, the tools that I, you know, I feel like are most important to me are the ones that enable me to um, express myself and and to work uh, the fastest or at least the funnest. Right. (laughs) But uh, I think, you know, modular is is a big, big piece of that now. I think uh, I got pretty... Once, once I was pretty set up as far as my recording and um, like my DAW kind of situation, you know, had like plugins to handle any job I wanted. I had good studio monitors. I had a decent enough microphone and interface. I kind of at that point was like, okay, the studio's fine. I'm not going to, you know, dive headlong into like building out a huge mic locker or getting tons and tons of outboard or whatever. Uh, the, the big interest just became synthesizers and particularly modular like i get um a lot of people approach me about reviewing all different kinds of things and usually with synths it's got to be something really crazy for me to be interested or it's got to be a module (laughs) (laughs) um i I, i'm not i don't know for whatever reason i'm just not interested in having like 10 different keyboard synths around it seems like overkill but i could you know, just do modules for days. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I, I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I would like, you know, like a, a nice profit or something. But yeah, I don't, I don't want the whole, you know, wall of keyboard synths. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's just the draw of mo- modular. It's, it's all right there and broken out. Like, what one keyboard synth could be, you know, or I guess what five keyboard synths could be could be one modular system. You know, because the, the way you can just break up how you're patching and everything. Yeah, I think for sure. Kind of kills that that desire. Um, but I get, I do want to talk about what you just mentioned a, a minute ago about like how things are changing as far as making music and the bite-sized servings of Instagram and everything. Like, as much as I don't want to admit it, it has definitely. Um, impacted the way I write and record music. I used to constantly write and record music, and I find that I don't do it that often. Um, now I do a lot more of the live streaming thing or like a patch challenge to make an Instagram video out of. Um, but I, I long for the days of the album. And I mean, where do you fall on that? I, uh, I'm 100% on both sides. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I love albums. And uh, they're probably, if I were thinking about what I would most like to be putting out into the world, uh, it would be those kind of longer form, really well-crafted releases. Mm -hmm. And um, at the same time, I fully recognize that they, you know, an album as a concept is like less than 100 years old. Uh, It's really it might end up just being a blip in terms of the whole of musical history, you know? I had never thought and, of it like uh, that. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I just think about this stuff so much and I feel like, uh, the, the, I think music is just so much bigger than the music industry. And, yeah. uh, if you look at like the role that it's played in all different kinds of cultures and societies and, and even just in different people's own lives, like how, um, you know, for one person, 
just being able to to jam with their synths and like have fun and not record anything is amazing for them. And that's no less valid than like booking an expensive studio and writing your masterpiece and, you know, playing it to a thousand fans or whatever. Like I, I really believe that music is bigger than, than just that kind Mm -hmm. of picture that we have of, I guess, you know, what's, what the most successful people are doing. So, um, yeah, I think it's really cool now that we, you know, with the connectivity of, of the internet and social media can now just kind of follow a whole bunch of people who are doing interesting stuff. And sometimes that'll be really big, fantastic stuff. And sometimes that'll just be like, here's what I made this afternoon. I liked it. It was fun. I'm not going to do anything with it, but I'm going to share it right now. And, and that's cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and. This is kind of the 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 seedy underbelly of it for me, unfortunately. But I mean, it's it's true. Is if I were if I make an album, it's going to take me at least six months, but maybe a year until it's totally done and I'm happy with it. And then the work of trying and and I'm not I'm not like trying to make money off it. My goal of when I make an album is I want I want people to listen to it, and I really want people who who will enjoy it to find it. That's kind of like the whole goal mm-hmm. for me and I have just found that it's the amount of work it takes for the amount of uh, people who actually listen to it is is very uh, disproportionate and like something like you know doing a podcast or a live stream or something I feel like it's really weird I put in less less work not that I'm not putting in work but it's you know just less time invested in you know like a like a podcast episode for instance it, you know mm-hmm. um but, you know, I have albums that I've released, you know, three years ago that don't even have a quarter of the amount of plays as, you know, one episode of the podcast. So it's, it's kind of, it's something that I, I weigh out like that, unfortunately. Um, it's just weird. Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean, though. And I wonder if it's going to start feeling like an outdated way to do things just because everything is becoming so much more immediate and, um, I mean, a lot more of this live stream stuff is happening. Clearly, you know, shorter form stuff is working great on social media. Um, and I wonder if it's just a, a kind of changing or maybe an expansion of our experience of music and like the way that, you know, uh, before recording was possible, you'd kind of get together with your instruments or everybody would sit around the piano and that was probably how you'd primarily enjoy music mm-hmm. in your life. And now, you know, we still have access to albums. We have access to really old albums as well as the brand new albums. But then we also have this cool way of like being able to be in the living room of who, whatever artist it is that you're following, you know, pre- presuming right. they're not yeah. reclusive and, and not wanting to share anything, which is fewer and fewer artists these days. But um yeah, no, it's it's cool. Like I just feel like it's uh, a a new dimension, or maybe it's it's kind of the new version of of all the way back to when recordings didn't exist, and you know it was the gather around the piano kind of situation. Yeah, well, I was just thinking that actually, because you you saying that made me think of two things. One is you know I go to ver- we have a fr- a friend who lives um, you know in this house that has this baby grand piano, and and there a bunch of us are different types of you know, artists or musicians in different ways. So we all kind of bring our gear down there and we have like 
adult sleepovers and we drink and have a, you know, eat food. And then we, we do these jam sessions and we don't record it. And that is so much more fulfilling to me than like almost any like live show I've played or, you know, cause it, mm. it's, it seems like this, this kind of, it's been a shift in my person personality, but also kind of like shifting into modular. And then this, this whole kind of new aspect of music that we're talking about, it seems a lot lo- lot less uh self-involved for me and kind of goal driven like you know when i was a kid it was become a rock star you know and now it's yeah, like yeah. make cool sounds with your friends or something yeah for sure i mean if if you can enjoy that like i, I feel like that's the best part of it anyway mm-hmm. um, definitely like, because if you're going to you know, take it any further than that, then it's like editing and uh, mixing <laughs> and promoting and like the artwork. And, you know, there's there's fun to be had in all of those things, but not nearly as much as like the act of creating and of, of exploring. Definitely. Um, which, you know, I think in my life, getting into modular was a big part of that sort of shift or, or whatever you want to call it for me of, of just kind of going back to what it was like before I had done anything to do with music in my career, which mm-hmm. was just like, this is the most fun that I can have, you know, just being in my room with, uh, with what my instruments. And, um, yeah, when I, when I got back into modular, you know, I was making these patches and something really cool would happen and it would never happen again, you know, because <laughs> it's just something, you know, uh, the, the perfect kind of moment when all the randomness in, in your voltage is kind of aligning to do something cool. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I wasn't recording, but like, it's, it's totally fine. And, you know, you being there and enjoying that just that one time is, is such a magical thing. Um, so yeah, that, that's where, I don't know, I'm kind of like straddling both like the, I guess for me right now, it's it's kind of about being deliberate with w- what I'm doing at any given time. You know, like, am I working on a project because I feel like I want to get it out there in the world and I have something particular that I want to share? Or is it like, I'm just unwinding and relaxing and enjoying or, you know, learning or, or whatever it is. And yeah. there's no pressure to document it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm in a similar spot. And I think something that's very, very important for me that I've kind of wrapped my head around is, um, it's just like the intent behind it all, you know, like don't do something for the sake of doing it, you know, like if you have something to express, express it. Um, that's, that's been important for me. Cause I think I, I got, kind of got locked in this thing where like, I have to be working on an album at all times. And I'm so happy mm-hmm. that that part of my personality has cooled down because it looking back, it was like, are you enjoying this? Like, well, you don't have to do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but this kind of makes me wonder is something that I was thinking about before we, we started chatting. It was something I wanted to ask you about is because I know how, I mean, your videos are very well edited and very, you know, thought out. You have, there's a lot of intent behind what you're doing. You're very good at it. You produce a lot of music. Um, you're just, you do a lot of stuff and I know how time consuming all of this stuff is. I'm wondering how much has this kind of become, you know, it becoming your, your professional um, life, how, how much has that changed your relationship with music? And it, I'm not necessarily fishing for you to say it's like, you know, made it worse or anything. Like, like is it, how, how is it different? You know, because you're not just doing it out of passion every day because you're kind of doing it for work too. But, you know, yeah. do, you, do you see what I'm saying? I'm kind of... Yeah, no, 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 totally. Um it's interesting because I think it's 
it's changing all the time and there's kind of a, a balancing act or, um, I don't know, maybe it's more about like different, different seasons feel different because, yeah. uh, there's certainly t- types of music and certainly videos that are more exciting to me and videos that are less exciting to me. And, um, in general, well, okay, so a couple of years ago when my channel was growing the fastest, it was because I was uploading every single Monday and Thursday mm-hmm. without fail. I think in about 18 months, I maybe missed four uploads. Wow. And so it was like an insane amount of work, and it was mostly super fun, and I loved it. But I also look back on that time, and I'm like, how did I do that? And I was like <laughs> sleeping way less, and uh, it I don't know. There, there's so many pluses and minuses to it because, of course, like with all that practice, I got really quick at a lot of things that still help me to this day. Whenever I do make a video, and now I'm I'm much less frequent in my videos. I think I've been posting like once every three weeks or something lately. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Yeah, no. So eventually, I, I hit a point where I had used up all of my kind of fastest ideas, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and also I was I was kind of you know, always wanting to improve the quality of my work. And so the videos were taking longer and longer. And so I was trying to cram more and more work into those few days between every Monday and Thursday when I would upload because, um, yeah, the, the, you know, I I had this huge list of ideas. I I always keep this multiple lists of ideas going actually. And I would, uh, you know, every, once in a while, kind of look ahead to the next two or four weeks and see what I could get out video wise and music wise. And so, yeah, at a certain point it was like all the quickest projects are gone and my, you know, production values have increased a lot and, uh, it just became too much to really continue. And, you know, at the same time I was starting to question why exactly I was doing all of that in the first place. And, you know, I loved that I was able to do this as a career. It was really great to be able to grow uh, that size of an audience, but it, you know, it couldn't be a thing that I did forever. It could like, it could have become just this endless pursuit because, you know, you can always add more followers or whatever. So it it just got to a certain point where I was like, I'm going to to reevaluate, you know, what, I want to be spending my time on and what I want my life to look like and what my goals are with this. And, uh, you know, just became totally fine with going from growing at a certain rate to like relative to that now a crawl, which, but it's not, it's still, uh, you know, I got get a lot of new followers right. every day still just by the foundation that I've set up. So yeah, it's, it's really weird because I wouldn't take back any of it and I would also never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, now, now I think, you know, my goals, I think my goals always were to work on what was most exciting to me musically. And the videos are kind of, um, an offshoot of that, you know, cause I try to cover what I'm creatively working on as much as I can. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, if, if I had had different goals, I could have pursued things differently. And if it had been like very, you know, business first or, or follower count first, it could have been a very different and like passionless 
uh, pursuit, I think for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think going back to what, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of describing you as like this modern, modern day Renaissance man. I think what, what that means now, and I, it's something that I, you know, I've looked to you and, and, uh, Mylar and, and Ben, uh, div kid as kind of like these, like, it's very clear that you're doing what you want. Like, so you're, you're the content that you're creating is also like what you're passionate about creating. Like you're not just creating the content to afford you the opportunity to do the thing you want to do. You know, you're not, you're not David Litch making Dune so you can make blue velvet later. You know, like it's, <laughs> it seems like it's uh it's like they're, they're kind of one in the same, but now that you've been doing it so long, have, has you, have you noticed them like is is there stuff that you want to do that maybe doesn't play into what you've built yourself as like I hate to use the word brand or whatever but like whatever you know what you what you are on as far as your channel goes like do you have stuff that you want to work on that's outside of that and do you make time for it if so yeah um there's definitely some type of an expansion I feel like down the line as far as what uh, my output is going to look like and, and what I'm going to spend my time on. I, I don't think it's going to be too, I don't know. I, I'm <laughs> interested in getting into some like live experiences, which, you know, all of a sudden with uh, the pandemic situation, <laughs> everything's completely uncertain. But right. uh, I, I always love going to art galleries where there are immersive installations. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I think actually, you know, interest in modular uh, kind of ties into that and, you know, stuff that, um, creating things that kind of have a life of their own and that can live on indefinitely. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, video synthesis or projections or even VR I've started to learn a bit about and, you know, Max MSP, like all these things are kind of starting to, to bubble up in uh, how I'm spending some of my time. And I would love to be able to create those kinds of uh experiences so we'll see where that goes that, yeah. that's the thing that i think comes to mind as far as you know um interest expanding beyond whatever it is uh my my brand is but um yeah at the same time i i have lots of ideas for youtube still and lots of um things that i want to do to kind of stretch the way that uh, my format has been uh, kind of stretch the way maybe even that the platform in general has been used by creators uh some some creative stuff i think is is coming for fall time and then uh yeah i i've got to see how that's received and, and we'll figure out what happens <laughs> beyond that very cool well yeah it's um yeah it's i think i think we're lucky like as, as, as gross and weird as the social media world has gotten and, you know, it's, there's definitely this weird side to it. I think what it's, what I really like about it is it has allowed, you know, people like us who want to do like all sorts of different things, be able to do it all under the umbrella of, you know, whatever the, the thing we're doing is, you know, through a YouTube channel or a podcast or whatever. So I, I just, I just find that pretty exciting. Um, and as you can probably tell, or the listener could probably tell, it's it's cool to be able to talk to somebody who's doing something similar, but on a, a bigger level for me. So um, yeah, so thank you for that. This has been this has oh been yeah, cool. no, well uh, I love the podcast, so I'm glad uh, we could finally make this happen. Hell yeah, man! Well, so um, we we are we're burning through the time. I want to definitely leave aside enough time to talk about uh, anything new or anything like that that you kind of personally want to promote or talk about. Um, spread the word about. for sure yeah yeah well um there's a couple things and uh the the one that kind of 
is always happening now is an online course that I launched uh, several months ago and we run it a few times a year. So it's like my overall approach to all things music. Um, You create three songs with me in a month. And uh, yeah, that's at learnmonthly.com slash Andrew. So it's, you know, we go over how I write and record and mix and master and come up with ideas and all that. So I'm really loving that. We're in the middle of a of a round right now. And I'm just like spending a lot of time most days listening to students work and, and leaving feedback. And it's cool seeing like all this creativity from so many people. Uh, and then the other thing that we could probably talk a bit more about is, uh, the new record that I put out a week ago called ganglia, which is, um, the first time that I've done something with a lot of modular in it, uh, as an album. Um, cause uh, yeah, I guess it's just how it's worked out. I've, um, I I have one ambient EP that was mostly modular, actually, but uh, it was a very kind of quiet release because I just, I don't know, that for my audience, it's not the kind of thing that they expect from me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now I have this uh, album that I love that it was like maybe about half Eurorack, half Ableton, and um, it's very, I guess it's IDM-ish and uh, it's very textural and, and beat-driven and sound effecty. Cool. Are you, now are you singing on this one? Uh, it's fully instrumental. Fully instrumental. Okay, sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I'll uh, definitely. Um, I, I have some questions about that, but I I, I have some questions about the, the classes uh, first. I'm curious, oh, sure, like, yeah. how do, are you setting it up to where it's like a virtual classroom where you're having the one on one with them, or is it kind of like a, a a set course that they go through and then send you the stuff and then you send feedback? Like, how hands on yeah. are you with like the interaction with the students? Yeah, so it is a set course. It's about 14 hours of pre-recorded video lessons uh, that we encourage people to go through in 30 days. Mm-hmm. You can definitely take it at any pace that you want. But if you try to track along with us in the 30 days, it means that uh, you'll be, first of all, you're in a peer group with about 20 other students. And then there are certain times where we try to recommend you hand in a part of a song that you're working on. So like right now in the current class that I'm running, we're right at the start. So everybody's handing in a chord progression and then we kind of flesh it out from there. And what ends up happening is that every 10 days uh, for the month, you create a complete piece of music. And so each of the lessons that you're watching kind of gives you a little bit more to explore. And hopefully, you know, I'm injecting ideas, whether you're a beginner or more advanced uh, that you can use in whatever kind of, music you're creating, uh, just to like get you to that finish line Mm -hmm. of having a completed piece, which, you know, over the years that I've been doing this channel seems to be the number one struggle for people is like, if I have music that I like to make, or if I have an idea that I want to develop, like, how do I actually get it to that next step? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's what it's, uh, all about. Uh, but yeah, as far as my involvement, um, I, I'm in there almost every day looking at what's been submitted and leaving comments. And then I'll also occasionally post a video update just when I see, uh, it's interesting, actually, you can see trends that happen across the class and, um, you know, like a lot of people will be putting too much reverb on their tracks. Uh A lot of people will be using this one particular chord, uh, that I, you know, kind of had in a lesson, but it wasn't the main focus, but for whatever reason, people gravitated towards it. So, you know, things like that where I can kind of do an update. Or like today, uh, there was a free 
there was a soft synth that was like usually 50 bucks, but it was free. And so I just popped into the class and I was like, hey, everybody check this out. There's a free plugin if uh, you're interested. So stuff like that. That's really cool. It sounds like it's very fleshed out and you got it like really like uh, down to a well-oiled machine. So that's that sounds like a really cool course. Um, and where do people go to, to check that out if they're interested in, in taking it? Yeah, so it's learnmonthly.com slash Andrew. And uh, if we're not currently running a, a class, you can uh, sign up for the wait list there. And um, yeah, we'll let you know when it comes around again, which is usually every three months or so. Okay, cool. Yeah, what I f- think is really useful for, for that too, I, I, I've noticed with meeting a lot of different musicians and just having a lot of different musician friends, some people have a hard time finishing something because it's almost like they need some sort of like overlord or parameter or something to tell them it's done. Cause if no one tells them it's done, they'll never think it's done. So they'll just have these yeah. things kind of sit in, in purgatory forever and never see the light of day. So I think something like this class you're describing would be a good thing, even for people who maybe already know how to write music, but maybe to learn how to finish something, um, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's a hard thing to kind of describe what the course is because it is really so holistic and it's it's designed in such a way that like whether you're coming in as a beginner or, or someone who's been doing this for a while, it'll level you up. But um, I do think one of the big overall goals with it is getting people to, to finish their work because, um, yeah, it's just like a, it's a really fulfilling thing, first of all, but also, yeah, it's something that I see a lot of people um, struggling with and... Um, it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I think in the, especially in the world of modular, it's especially hard to finish something because the, it's, it's, it's seemingly um, endless or depthless, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then I, let's, let's wrap this up on your album. I'm curious, how do, you, how do you approach an album? Do you have kind of an idea in your head, like what you want to express, or do you just kind of start laying stuff out and follow the sounds that you end up making? I usually find that um, I'll have a few tracks going that end up feeling like they belong together. So uh-huh. that's usually the basis of most of the albums that I've done. You know, I'll just notice that like, oh, I'm incorporating a lot of 80s influence in a handful of these things. So like, let's collect them together and then continue working on them kind of as one body. Um, and so with this one, it was... Um, yeah, just a, a, a lot of my favorite patches that I had ended up recording over the past couple of years, as well as a few tracks that are much older, or at least were started much longer ago, that all kind of felt like they belonged in this sort of um, very textural, atmospheric, beat-driven, and a little bit uh, dark-feeling, I guess, kind uh-huh. of place. And um, so I would say maybe... Two thirds of the tracks have modular involvement, um, but none of them, yeah, none of them are, are like straight up just a recording of a patch. Because uh, for the purposes of this album, I really like wanted to craft everything, and uh, you know, I might record three or four patches at totally different times and find different places where I could layer them. Yeah, or um, you know, do kind of like one big recording and edit down to you know my favorite three minutes of it, and then add a couple of extra layers uh, just within Ableton. Um, so that was usually the the approach. Okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've been finding I'm doing it like kind of similarly now. Like I, I rarely make a one patch that I feel like 
stands alone as a track that I would want to be on like an album. Maybe, maybe for like an, like what we were talking about earlier, an Instagram video or, you know, like a live stream or something like that. But I'm finding that doing the whole, like make, make a patch and then like make a patch to play along with it, you know, take it, like record it, tear it apart, build another one that kind of goes along with it. I, I just recently experimented with that and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's great. And it's um, cool now that you can, uh, like with the ES8 or ES9, like multi-track mm-hmm. from the modular. And I love that it can be so tied in with your DAW and, you know, you could even send CV from the computer over to it so you can kind of use it. I mean, it's the way it was supposed to be really with modular. You can use it as this extra arm in your setup. Um, although, you know, at the same time, I have a huge amount of respect for the kinds of people like like Richard Devine and Colin Benders who can just like do a full, completely, you know, perfectly crafted track with nothing but the uh, modular. But um, yeah. yeah, that's just not where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. Th- it's kind of like the holy grail for me right now. It's like, yeah, I'd like to get there. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of I feel like I get to a certain point and I'm a little overwhelmed. So doing it in chunks is really great for me right now. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the toughest thing is like just getting the structure and the dynamics just right. Because I feel like, well, I mean, it depends on the type of music you're making. But for a lot of the stuff that I want to do, there, I like to have these dramatic changes. Mm-hmm. And you really have to have a lot of different things happen at once to make that work. And, uh, you know, you can try as much as you can to like patch up some clever macro CV knob or whatever. But (laughs) at the end of the day, like you either don't have enough hands or it's just as much work to like get the perfect, uh, perfect signals going through your system as it is to just edit it after. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess it just depends like what, what, what's more important to you. Uh, yeah. And how much of a purist do you want to be, which is, there's no wrong answer. I'm definitely not throwing shade in any direction. Um, Well, cool, man. This has been great. This flew by. Um, I hope uh, yeah, I hope you, you so got much. to talk about all the stuff that you want to talk about, but is there anything else you'd like to shout from the modular mountaintops? Man, no. Just that, um, I mean, the the whole point is to enjoy it, and uh, you know, if anyone needs reminding of that, then I hope that uh, that's a voice that I can be. But um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun. And, yeah, man. Um, you know, people know where to find me on YouTube, I hope. <laughs> All right, that is our show for this week. Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on. It was awesome to finally get to chat and get to know you. Um, Please check out his new album and his YouTube channel if you're not familiar. Uh, Lots of really cool stuff over there, modular and otherwise. Um, Andrew didn't have time to get to a patch challenge this week, so I thought I would do it. And it worked out perfectly because I have a new Patreon subscriber named Frank. Uh, He signed up at the uh, $2 a month personal patchtogram where you can submit an adjective and noun to me and I'll make a patch. So he submitted smooth carving and I thought, you know what, I want to use this new portal from Mystic Circuits. So uh, I decided to break out the guitar and it actually got away from me so um, I, I broke my rules. I did build the patch in 15 minutes but then I worked on recording and, and dialing it in for probably an hour and a half. Uh, but I really like it. Um, so yeah, just know that I did not make this in minutes um yeah other than that thank you so much for listening 
Uh, if you would like to support me on Patreon, head over to patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. And uh, if you're looking for modular lessons, hit me up. I still have some openings. Anyways, without further ado, here is my smooth carving. And until next week. Wow.